Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We are absolutely loaded on today's show. Coming up before we're done, we're going to hear from CBS Sports' Brad Nessler. Brad will have the play-by-play call for Georgia and Florida on Saturday, and he's also got the call next week for Georgia-Tennessee. So we are going to sneak a little bit of a look ahead with Brad when he's on here, but also after his research and having a chance to talk to Gators coaches, what is something about Florida that maybe Georgia fans aren't quite ready for or should be on guard for? We'll let Brad tell us about that here coming up in just a moment. We'll probably also talk about the future of that game in Jacksonville uh, with him there as well. This is a guy that understands all of that. We'll get some thoughts from him on that. And by the way, Terrence Edwards stops by in his normal spot there as well. So we are fully loaded here on this Thursday. But it's actually the future of Georgia, Florida in Jacksonville that I want to talk about here for a moment. And I've said before, if this is one man, one vote, my vote would be to keep the cocktail party going in Jacksonville. I think it's incredibly fun. And yet I'm also kind of willing to acknowledge that there is a significant pocket of Georgia fans and maybe even a growing number of Georgia fans who kind of feel differently, whether it be because they know that Kirby Smart doesn't like it and they want to do what Kirby Smart wants to do, or whether because they're season ticket holders and they want to see the value of their season ticket kind of go up here over the course of time. There may be plenty of reasons as to to why folks would feel that way, but we do see, I think, a increasing number of Georgia fans who would like to see maybe this game either be home and home on a regular basis or home and home on a rotational basis with somehow Jacksonville still in the mix. Uh, However, that might work out. We just have to sort of deal with that as a reality. And I think one thing you can also acknowledge here too is, is this is becoming a big enough deal now, a hot enough topic now that even folks kind of outside the typical bubble of dog nation or down there where the lousy stinking gators are crawling around, um, you know, even kind of outside the normal bubble here, more and more people are starting to talk about this. In fact, Greg McElroy, who's really got no dog in this fight, former Alabama quarterback, grew up in Texas. Even he has kind of weighed in this week on the future of Georgia, Florida, and Jacksonville. He's got one of those podcasts that he does, um, you know, just you know, kind of talking college football. And on his show, one of the things that he talks about this week is the future of this game in Jacksonville and Kirby Smart's desire to 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 see the game move to benefit recruiting. And Greg McElroy says he fully understands exactly why Kirby feels the way that he does this is Greg McElroy weighing in on this topic here this week take a listen here's where I understand completely where Kirby Smart's coming from people are going to say well he's had great recruiting classes every year Kirby Smart's not wired like you and I all right he's not that's probably why he's a super successful head coach the guy's wired in a way in which the best is great but he wants to be the best next year and the year after that he wants to continue dominating on the recruiting trail and he feels like playing his biggest opponent away from his home field is that puts his team as a disadvantage so that's greg mcroy kind of weighing in on mass and on this and a lot of georgia fans hear mcroy saying that and they're like well if that's the way that kirby smart feels then let's give kirby what he wants let's do what kirby wants here because kirby smart after having won a national championship and brought the great level of success to georgia that he's brought Clearly right now, there's a lot of momentum and movement on the part of UGA fans to sort of satisfy whatever desire Kirby Smart might have, not because they're afraid he's going to take his ball and go home if he doesn't get his way or anything like that. They just 
you know, kind of view Kirby in, in a positive light. Kirby is a popular figure and they want to give Kirby what he wants. And to Kirby's credit here, you know, sometimes you may say, hey, coaches, especially guys like Smart, sometimes they might not be all that forthcoming and they might not all, you know, always be willing to kind of reveal their opinion about certain things. But to Smart's credit, while he hasn't necessarily tried to leverage his political power through the media, he hasn't been shy in really making it be known that he does feel like there's some logistical challenges with playing this game in Jacksonville. And it's not you know, as beneficial to his program as a home game would be for the overall recruiting efforts. And he has not really kind of shied away from saying that and making his point of view pretty clear, even saying that some this week, once again, kind of pivoting back to why this game doesn't really benefit them at all from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, just in fact, on Monday, Kirby Smart was talking about that. We're allowed to use tickets, but we can't host them. I mean, we can't do anything. So there's, I never understood. I never understand what 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 would we do with them? We can't legally see them. We can't talk to them. We can't host them. Can't visit with them. Uh, we can say there's a ticket at the gate. Um, enjoy the game. So that's that's really all we can do. And, and uh, we'll we'll do that. We'll we'll, we'll have uh, uh, some kids go to the game. So that's Kirby Smart. And once again, I would say there are a lot of Georgia fans who hear that and they're like. Hey, that sounds like a good reason to me. If you can't host the recruits and you wouldn't want to do that anyway because you want to sell them your own campus, and if Kirby feels that strongly about it, let's just do what Kirby Smart wants, and maybe eventually that's what's going to happen. Now, I believe there are other actual factors that kind of play into all of this. Expansion of the SEC, changing in schedules, the abolition of uh, divisions and things like that. There are a lot of things, I think, that could potentially factor into this, but for some Georgia fans, it's just as simple as you heard right there, and maybe that is good enough reason but can we talk about something different just for a moment here and this is not going to change anything i totally understand that but i just want to make sure we maintain a certain level of perspective about what has mattered and has what has made georgia cool and in a lot of ways what has made georgia different because for as much as people might hear what you just heard and say hey that seems like a really good reason to change the georgia florida game to no longer play it in jacksville to play at home and home Let's talk for a moment about a bad reason. And this is a reason sometimes Kirby Smart has argued. But it's still, whether no matter who's arguing it, to me, it is a bad reason. And this week, when Greg McElroy, the former Bama quarterback, the ESPN analyst, when he started arguing for why he thinks the game should leave Jacksonville and go home and home, why it would be to Georgia's benefit to do that, I believe that McElroy really veered into a bad territory in terms of why this should be for all the potential good reasons you might have to change the game this i believe is an example of a bad reason let me let you hear greg mcelroy then i'll talk about why it is here's mcelroy from this week he's recruiting against the likes of alabama alabama's biggest games are not played at neutral sites they're played against lsu and brian denny or against auburn and brian denny every other year you get to big well, you or Texas A&M and Brian Denny. Like every other year, you get to have multiple big recruiting weekends in your home stadium for recruits to come and experience the home football game weekend. So I understand very much why Kirby Smart feels the way he feels. So what I'm about to say is not going to change anything about the future of this game, but I still think it's something that should be understood. Greg McElroy right there says, Georgia shouldn't play Florida and Jacksonville because this is something that Alabama would never do. And here's the thing I think we all need to understand. This is not a matter of would Alabama do this. Here's what I'm telling you. This is something that Alabama could never do. 
Alabama simply doesn't have the kind of infrastructure in place to play a game like this, and certainly not to play it over the course of almost the last hundred years the way that Georgia has. The state of Georgia and the state of Alabama are just very, very different states. Almost the entirety of what you sort of think of as Roll Tide Nation or whatever their fan base would kind of be, almost the entirety of that sort of exists kind of around that sort of Birmingham metropolitan area. Birmingham's a little more than kind of a mid-sized city, but that sort of metropolitan Birmingham area, that's essentially the epicenter of the Alabama fan base. Alabama as a state has a population of about 5 million people. Georgia, by comparison, has a population of about 10 million people. So Georgia, from a fan base standpoint, from a population standpoint, just has a lot more infrastructure in place to support a neutral site game like this taking place in Jacksonville. Just sort of speaks to the overall resources that exist in a state like Georgia compared to what exists in a state like Alabama. You've got a huge population center, not huge, but you've got a significant population center down there near Savannah. This is a business community kind of funded by the port and all the things that go on there, and that's a substantial part of the Georgia booster base. The same way for other parts of South Georgia, which, you know, agriculture based. And the fact is, in Georgia, from a business standpoint, agriculture really matters. This is pumping billions and billions and billions of dollars to our state economy per year and a lot of those folks are also georgia boosters there as well and listen you don't have to go very far to find examples of the fact that they like georgia florida and jacksville georgia has a very significant donor base and those are obviously uh, a very important constituency but they have a very significant donor base that exists down in south georgia and those south georgia donors like the idea of this game being played in their backyard georgia is very different than alabama it's a larger state more populous state there are pockets of business success that exist all throughout the state by comparison alabama doesn't have that so when people say alabama would never play this game in jacksonville i'm here to tell you alabama could never play this game in jacksonville it's an example of the fact that over the course of the last sort of 40 50 years you know you've just seen real change here in the south when bear bryant first started having great success like say 1960s or wherever else the fact is, all the southern states were kind of the same. They were all relatively small from a population standpoint. You know, you didn't have a lot of major cities down here in the south. But over the course of the recent decades, that's really changed. Atlanta's become a world-class city, and it's you know fueled a lot of growth for the state of Georgia overall. And in terms of how Georgia as a program operates, it's no longer really all that appropriate to say, well, Al Georgia should do what Alabama would do. Frankly, now that Georgia's beaten Alabama on the field, I'm not quite so sure that's much of an appropriate comparison whatsoever. Georgia and Alabama are just very different states. They have very different fan bases. And what makes sense from Georgia, because of the way in which its resources are stretched out across a very big state, it's just very different than what uh, Alabama might do in a situation like this. So for all the potential good reasons to move Georgia, Florida from Jacksonville, this is an example of a bad reason. Now, let me sum all this up and wrap this up by saying this. I totally understand that's not necessarily going to change anyone's mind. If Georgia, Florida, if the cocktail party is about to be canceled, that's going to happen no matter what, no matter what argument I make here. Totally get that. But I say all this to say, understand what it is that you're losing if this goes away. It's the kind of unique tradition that most programs could never actually aspire to truly accomplish, to make something that feels this fun, to make something that feels this unique this interesting to to create as much happiness and enjoyment as a game like this has brought for decades this is the kind of thing that most programs don't do because they can't do not because they don't want to do it they just simply couldn't do it but over the course of darn near 100 years both georgia and florida have proven capable of making this game a success listen maybe 
all things eventually end, and maybe Georgia-Florida is going to end soon here as well, and it'll become just another game played on campuses every other year. Maybe that's where all this is uh, heading in future years. But if that does happen, pay attention to what you're going to lose. Pay attention to what you're going to miss. A very, very special tradition around college football uh, will have been lost, and I think that in some respects a lot of Georgia fans will be worse off for it. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Whether it be live on video, we start at 945, first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, or 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really happy to have you a part of the program. We work really hard to make it available on as many different platforms as we can because we want you to be able to find us. And we want to be able to keep you entertained and informed there as well each and every day. So thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, got the Gatorator t-shirt on today. We are very, very serious about getting ready for that on Saturday. We believe a good Georgia fan is a Gator hater first and foremost. And we're ready to put that on full display again on Saturday. So we're happy to have you with us as we do that. Let me tell you who I know loves being a Gator hater and who I know values this rivalry. That's our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. They're your source for Georgia divorce. They do good work for you, but they're also just good dog fans. We've hung out with them in Jacksonville and everywhere else over the course of years, and it's always fun to have them as a part of our show here today. But I also readily acknowledge that the topic that they deal with on a daily basis when it's not Georgia football time, that's not so much fun. It's the topic of divorce. And boy, it just seems like, you know, so frequently I'm having a conversation with someone who I know that that might be either going through this right now or maybe about to go through this or you fear it could be a possibility. And that's just really, really scary. And as I said before, it's way different than the normal sort of Georgia football conversation where we're about, you know, being lighthearted and entertaining and things like that. Divorce is nothing like that at all. But we also believe that the best way to have the best life is to confront reality and whatever it deals uh, for you. In this particular case, that might be an example of that. And the best way to do that, I think, is to acquaint yourself with all the things that Meriwether and Tharp has for you. You can go to the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. That is the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. That's the website. And here's what we're going to see. You're going to see a lot of free resources. There are blog posts that you can read. There are podcasts that you can listen to. There are lots of ways in which you can engage free, no hassle, certainly no pressure, just to educate yourself what the divorce process might mean for you. And then after that, maybe the next step for you is a free initial consultation with one of those attorneys from our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. And you can tell your story. And sometimes it's just kind of nice to have someone to tell your story to. And then you can hear some 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 thoughts about what maybe the logical next step for you is. And I think at that point in time, you're going to be ready to hire Meriwether and Tharp to do great work for you to ex- explain how the law can be leveraged to your benefit and set you up for a successful next season of your life, which is really what it's all about. So go to the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com, find out why Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. That is the AtlantaDivorceTeam.com. All right, so I told you before, we got two big guests today. It's Terrence Edwards coming up in a couple of minutes. It's Brad Nessler from CBS Sports before we're done. But before that, I'm going to go around the doghouse. And around the doghouse today is presented by our friends at ServePro. And I thought Kirby Smart gave a very revealing comment this week about how he kind of views the current state of his defense and how things are setting up for Georgia defensively right now. Clearly, the most important games of the season are still on their way for Georgia. Exactly what have we learned thus far from the Georgia defense? Have they proved themselves enough through the season's first seven games? Here is a very candid remark from Smart on that topic, this from this week. 
Well, I don't know they have to prove anything. Um, it's not about proving it. You know, it's about being at your best when your best is needed. I think we've played really good complementary defense, meaning complement the offense. Uh, when they've, We've had turnovers in the red area. I feel like they've gone out and put out some fires. Uh, they've gone out and created some turnovers at opportunistic times. Um, we have not, you know, played our best. Uh, we've got a lot of players individually that might be playing their best, but we have not played our collective best as a defense. You know, that's what, as a coach, you're trying to achieve. You know, I mean, I, we lost a lot of good players, and, you know, unfortunately we've had some good players out this year too. Um, when you count Smile and that, and you count some of the linebackers and Jalen, uh, it's been tough. But I'm not one to sit up here and make excuses. We get paid to coach the players that are out there, and the guys that are out there have done a tremendous job of giving us great effort day in and day out, and they're buying into the standard of the University of Georgia defense, which is, is half the battle with your buy-in. Isn't it nice to have a coach at Georgia who's – I'm not about excuses. I'm not going to make excuses as opposed to some of the other stuff we hear sometimes around college football. I think Smart's way of talking about that is much more preferable than some of the stuff we sometimes hear from <coughs> – Nick Saban and guys like that from time to time so I'll credit Smart for that and he also talked about the Georgia defensive standard which we know is a really high one now I think it's also in a situation like this tempting to want to say oh gosh is this Georgia defense going to be ready for what Tennessee brings the table in a couple of weeks I understand why that is and trust me I think about the Georgia Tennessee game pretty frequently and the concern there for that from some fans is well what happens if you look past Florida we don't think the Georgia team is going to do that but some fans even don't kind of want to look past Florida to look ahead to Tennessee so what if I told you that on Saturday something that's going to happen for Georgia against Florida how the Georgia defense responds could actually have a pretty tangible relationship to what's also going to happen the following week when Georgia gets ready to take on Tennessee you heard Kirby say there that injuries have been part of the story here for Georgia this season and it seems like Smile Mond and the linebacker may be on his way to coming back but it also seems like Jalen Carter the defensive tackle the certainly elite player that he is he's a little further you know away in terms of being able to kind of get back as a full go there for Georgia so that's going to put some pressure on Georgia defensively and when we've talked Georgia defense over the course of the last couple of weeks one of the things we bring up a lot is hey how do you get after the quarterback how do you how do you get past pressure and I do believe that's really really important but on Saturday, something else is going to be important, and it's one of the same things that's going to be important when you face Tennessee coming up next Saturday, two Saturdays from now there as well. Pretty quietly, Tennessee's been a pretty good rushing team here this year. It's easy to understand why. They're averaging more than 200 yards per game on the ground. I mean, it's simply a matter of if you're putting a bunch of bodies in your pass coverage, which teams are forced to do against Tennessee because they throw it so much and they throw it so well, so the more and more guys you're putting back into pass coverage – the more you're softening up the box, as they like to call it, that area right there in front of the line of scrimmage where run stopping takes place, you're just softer up front because you're pushing guys to the back end of your defense. You don't have to be a former coach or a former player to understand that. It's just easy to understand why you could have more success running when a bunch of teams are having to f- put a bunch of players into pass coverage to stop what you do through the air. Tennessee has literally softened up a lot of its opposing defenses by being so effective with the pass, averaging more than 200 yards per game on the ground is an example of that. So if you're Georgia, one of the things you're going to have to do this year is something that you were so well at, so good at a year ago, which is stop the run with kind of a limited number of bodies there at that defensive line of scrimmage to be able to do that. And when you had a guy like Jordan Davis, that was pretty easy to do, or it's certainly easier to do. Devontae Wyatt helped with that. Trayvon Walker helped with that. But this may be, especially with Jalen Carter injured, one of the examples of how, hey, 
trying to rebuild your defense this year based on what you lost last year, not exactly the easiest thing to do. And this is where, believe it or not, against Florida on Saturday, you actually have a little bit of an interesting litmus test for how well you might be set up to stop the run against Tennessee. Did you know this? That Florida's actually first in the SEC in average yards per carry. They're averaging 6.38 yards per carry on the ground thus far this year. That's a very, very impressive number. It is far and away better than the next best team, uh, almost you know three-tenths of a yard better than Alabama, and it's uh, slightly less than a full yard uh, better than what Georgia's doing on the ground on a per-carry basis there as well. So Florida, even though they don't have really a, gr- a great collection of running backs, uh, transfer from Louisiana Lafayette's kind of carrying a pretty heavy load for them right now, on the ground, they're kind of getting the job done. So in a game that none of us expect to be close, and certainly none of us hope is close against Florida on Saturday, this might be one of the things to watch for. The better Georgia does on the ground against Florida, an area in which they've been pretty good, the better Georgia might be set up to do all the things that it needs to do against Tennessee, putting bodies into pass coverage, finding a way to get some pass rush, but also keeping itself protected against the Tennessee ground attack, which is probably better than some folks realize that it is watching how Georgia stops the run on Saturday might actually be a good measuring stick of just how ready Georgia is for the defensive challenge that's going to come its way the rest of the season. So keep your eye on that on Saturday as you're enjoying the cocktail party. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Serve Pro. And listen, you know, Georgia trying to play defense against everything the Florida Gators bring to the table. Some of you kind of situation right now where you're trying to play defense against some damage that's maybe kind of gotten out of control. Let's face it, fire, that's a real thing. Sometimes it happens. Water intrusion, pipes break. We had that here at our studio in our office going back a a few weeks ago. That's a real thing there, too. And it makes a mess. You give water enough time, it can make the Grand Canyon. Goodness knows it can you know, do all kinds of damage to your home or your business or your investment property or whatever you might have going on there. And when you've got a huge mess, when it needs to be cleaned up, that's where our friends at Servpro and their restoration specialists come into play here because they can get it all cleaned up for you. They can get it all put back together for you and leave it like it never even happened, which is really what you want here. You want to kind of wave a magic wand and make all this disappear. And somehow, some way, that's kind of what Servpro sort of does they come in, they get the cleanup done, they get it put back together. And if you walked around our studio right now or the area outside our studio where I eat my lunch and uh, have meetings and things like that, you would never be able to tell that anything happened. And just a few weeks ago, we had unbelievable water damage in here, but our friends at Serpro got the job done for us. So every Serpro franchise is independently owned and operated. That means when you do business with Serpro, you're doing business with someone that's got some skin in the game. They've got a vested interest in the outcome, just like you do, which makes it really, really good to have that conversation with them. So find out more online. It's servepro.com. That's servepro.com. S-E-R-V. That's how you spell it. Servepro.com. And let their restoration specialists do great work for you. All right, here on our program today, hopefully we can do some great work for you. We're going to get Brad Nesser here coming up before it's all said and done with us. Uh, He'll call the game on Saturday for CBS. We'll let him preview the Gators, and we might do a little bit of a look ahead to uh, Tennessee next Saturday. Brad's going to be on the call for that there as well. So we'll get into that here coming up in just a moment. But for now, everything else you need to know for Georgia, Florida, getting ready for that big game on Saturday, great voice to have to talk about it all. Our buddy Terrence Edwards, let's welcome him and all of you here with us today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Always great to have Terrence Edwards here on the program today. Uh, Of course, Terrence has so much insight to what's going on here 
at UGA. And Terrence, I was just talking about this before you joined us. You know, I think the defensive challenge for Georgia gets really interesting over the course of the next few weeks. We had you on the show last week saying you want to see more of that pass rush. And I totally agree. It's one of those things that Georgia needs to do. But I think you would also agree with me that in order to get the pass rush you want, the pass rush you need, you've got to take care of the other things defensively here too. And pretty quietly, Tennessee's been pretty good on the ground here this year. Florida has probably been way better on the ground than people realize, just given the fact that it's not been an overall very good you know, team in other, other categories so far this season. So what Georgia does in terms of stopping the run against Florida might also, I believe, give you an indication of how ready this team is to stop the run against the Tennessee team next week, which kind of frees you up to get after quarterbacks and you know, break up passes and those things that you also have to do there as well. In other words, I really think it's going to be interesting to see, minus Jalen Carter, I'm expecting, how well this Georgia defensive front steps up and eliminates the Gators running game on Saturday. That could be a pretty strong indicator for what's going to happen after that in the weeks to come. Would you agree? I think so. I think anytime you go into the game, I think that's always the first objective is to stop the run. Uh, if if a team could just consistently run against you and you can't stop it, that's demoralizing. And, you know, so that's the first thing. I think you also have to stop uh, the quarterback runs yeah. as well. That's that's big demoralizing, getting him inside the pocket, quarterback runs, and, and now he's out outside the pocket because he's, he's a great athlete being a big, strong kid. So going to every game, that is one of the first objectives. Is we need to stop the run first and now get the, the get them into a situation that they don't want to be in. It, that's just dropping back, throwing the football down to them, and that's not their strong point right now. And, you know, you see this. Obviously, you're a coach. You understand this, but you also played the game, and you were kind of this guy in high school too, so maybe this is the best perspective to come from on this is when that quarterback takes off and running, not on a design run. Kirby Smart talked about that this week. You know, there's one thing to have the design run. It's another thing to kind of make something out of nothing because you're the athletic quarterback that can do that. And your high school career uh, was such a uh, – that's such a big part of your repertoire back then when you were playing quarterback, but you also saw this from other quarterbacks when you kind of moved on to play wide receiver at the professional and the college ranks that – with with uh Richardson that's what you got to be so mindful of is when there's nothing to be had when the play is breaking down he has a chance to not just get you know first down but I mean he's had like 50 60 you know even 70 yard run before here you know you've got to make sure that you've got him corralled if you're Georgia on Saturday how do you do that how do you make sure that that Richardson doesn't find that opportunity to make the big gain happen with his legs on Saturday you know one of the things that that Georgia defensive front need to realize is their passing lanes. I, 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 we spoke about it, and we need more pressure, but you also have to have lane integrity, and what that means is you cannot pass rush and get behind him. You have to keep him inside the pocket, keep your lanes where, and make him uh, run east and west and not north and south. I think our linebackers are fast enough, and Smile Monday coming back is, is a big, big part of this defense because I think he's the most athletic linebacker we have with his straight line speed. So defensive pass rushing lane integrity is going to be big. We can't get upfield in a lot of these big openings where he just can continue to you know make these big plays with his legs. And the big push has to come from your, your, your deep tackles. Uh, if we get pushed up the middle, we're athletic enough on the end with Noah, uh, Nolan Smith and Bill to kind of chase Anthony Richards down or just slow him down so the category could come. But we need push from our three techniques and our zero techniques so 
we could flush him to old athletic linebackers we have. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I'm going to kind of get beyond my ability to kind of understand things from next and no standpoint here, but – you know, one of the things you hear fans talk about a lot is, oh, you got to spy Richardson. You got to have the spy on the quarterback. But, you know, Kirby Smart has kind of talked in the past about the fact that he isn't, you know, and it seems like a lot of defensive minded coaches kind of operate this way is that you don't really want that quarterback spy because at that point in time, you're kind of playing with 10. Uh, you're taking one of your defensive players kind of out of the game plan if all he's doing is watching the quarterback. From your perspective as a coach, like, how do you monitor the quarterback? keep him contained without actually using an actual spy because it seems like a lot of, of, of the defensive-minded coaches don't like that word and certainly don't like that concept. Yes, you know, he, he's right. You know, if you just put one guy on them, you're, you, you are taking one out the defensive scheme. Uh, but I think you also have to mix it up, especially if you go man-covered. Uh, you have to have someone for the quarterback. Unless we play a lot of zone where all the eyes are on the quarterback, and if we get outside the pocket, we have guys that can rally to the ball. But in man coverage, every defender that have a legal receiver have their back turned. So you have to have a spy there at some point. So it's a mix-up. You can't just sit there and play man coverage all game with a spy on the quarterback. So mixing up the coverage and the looks is, is going to be big for us. Uh, but at the end of the day, the, the, the D-line has to do their job to keep him contained and keep him in the pocket. I'd rather him stay in the pocket and throw the football downfield than him getting outside the pocket, being able to make a play with his legs or make a play on a scramble drill where a defensive back lose his responsibility and he throws a big pass down the field. So I think that the, the play of the defensive front is really going to be big this week. So one of the things that we kind of learned this week is it seems like the injury to A.D. Mitchell in the wide receiver spot is going to linger here for a little while. And obviously this is a time of year in which Georgia needs to make sure that it's kind of firing on all cylinders offensively with its explosive plays as much as it can possibly be. And the absence of Mitchell to the extent that's going to linger is going to make that more difficult. Terrence, what would you do to get the most of this passing attack right now knowing that you can't quite dial up number five right now. It seems like he won't be back for a little while. What would you do in absence of that here for the moment? First, I'm interested to, to really know what was his injury. It's, it's, so that that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Like I know when it happened, they were like, well, he could have went back into the game if needed be. Well, I don't think that's true <laughs> if he still hasn't played since – you know, like week two, so <laughs> the injury is worse than, than you know, everyone has left hold to. But, you know, he, he's a weapon. And now, you know, and I think the emergence of, of Dominique Blaylock could take some of the sting away. I think he, he needs to continue to be, uh, get more plays, get more reps, get more opportunities because Dom has showed the, the capacity of, of making plays when he gets the opportunity. But every receiver that we, we have out there has to step up. Dylan Bell has stepped up. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've talked about him even before the season. He's showed flashes. Uh, but A.D. is still, I think, the best receiver on the team. And whenever he comes back, you know, that's, that's only help. But the guys have to step up. When you get, your, when you get an opportunity, you, you have to capitalize. And I think – Dylan Bell has done that, and Dominique Blaylock has done that as well. Yeah, it seems like the thing that Mitchell provides for Georgia that in his absence you're not quite sure what he does. I agree with you. I want to see Dominic Blaylock more a part of this, and you'd kind of predicted that Dylan Bell would be an effective player for Georgia as a freshman, and thus far that prediction's really coming true. So I agree with all of what you're saying, but, you know, 
uh, AD has the 40-yard touchdown in the national championship game, had the touchdown against Oregon. That He's kind of shown you that sort of big play potential. You can throw deep to Mitchell in a way that maybe other guys haven't proven to necessarily be that deep threat type guy. This might be, Terrence, one of those things where, hey, maybe at the right time, Arian Smith is coming back to health again because we know he can run past defenses. We've seen that speed for sure. And he's even kind of done some of that in games uh, before too as well. That the real issue with with Mitchell not being there is not that you don't have wide receiver options. I think that Georgia clearly does, but it's that specific thing that AD had proven good at, which is going up and getting the football and making the big play deep down the field. That's the thing in his absence that I don't know that Georgia's quite figured out yet. Yes, most definitely. I think Aaron Smith's coming back and he's played the last few games and um, I assume his health is going to continue to get better. Um, so his speed is something that we probably is lacking downfield. I know Ladd also has had that speed, but he also haven't uh, had the had his best. What I believe and what we've seen for him to be, so he he definitely needs to get back to the Ladd McConkey that we fell in love with last week because he he has the downfield speed that can scare people. But Aaron Smith is is by far the fastest on the team, and um, last week his health should have gotten better, and he should be close to a hundred percent because he has gotten some game reps the last few games. So his speed is something that we definitely need to open up uh, more of the, the underneath routes, open up Brock Moore underneath, open up Darnell underneath, open up Kieris, open up a lot of guys. But we have to have that guy that could take the top off of defense. And, and A.D. is that guy that we are missing. And Aaron Smith is the guy definitely. And hopefully, you know, he's close to 100% and get more opportunities to show – uh, what God gave him. That's just straight line speed. Do you think this game is going to be close on Saturday, Terrence? I think early is going to be close. Uh, I think if we are able to contain Richardson and not force his passing ability, it's his running ability, and we stop their running game, I, I don't see them being able to just consistently throw the football to beat us. And I think on, on offense, we're just going to do what we do. We're going to be able to um, – Dinky dunk with with the running backs. We're going to be able to make timely timely throws to Brock and Darnell. Um, I could, you know, I don't like predictions because when I've, every time I've done a prediction <laughs> to give a score, it haven't came out my way. Trust me, I know how that feels. And we're all superstitious to the core, so I'm gonna say Georgia wins. That's that, that's what I'm gonna say. But for the score, I think we're the better team, and better team doesn't always win. But I think in this case, we will. Our continue our dominance over Florida this Saturday. Well, Terrence, I will say goodbye to you by saying this. It was such a great pleasure to be with you this past Saturday night for the induction ceremony for the inaugural class of the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. What a treat that was. Uh, it was such a, a great pleasure to be a part of that there with you. Obviously, your great career was celebrated. Fun to have your brother Robert on hand for that there, too. I know how proud he was for you and the entire uh, Waco community there at Washington County. Uh, just loving the idea of a couple of uh, you know uh, Washington County types going into that Hall of Fame there with you and your uh, good friend Takeo Spikes. It was a wonderful, wonderful night. Terrence, congratulations once again for that. And just thanks for letting me kind of share that moment with you. Thank you so much. And I think the biggest shock, and I don't know when, who, or what put Robert up to do this, but that was a great moment, man. My mom was there. Great. My uh, father was there. My, my other brother was there. A uh, bunch of my friends that I grew up with that played with me through the sandbox all the way up was there. That was a great moment, but, you know, having my brother present the jacket to me was yeah. was uh, 
that moment that I I've, uh, would never forget. Well, let's get Robert in there next because he had a great career too. So we'll look forward to that. And Terrence, I'll also look forward to seeing you coming up on Saturday for our Dog Nation postgame show presented by the UGA Bookstore after the game is over with. Hopefully we'll have plenty of good things to discuss as the uh, dogs get that big win. We'll look forward to talking to you about that then. See you Saturday. Thanks, Darren. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Three. Yes, let me just tell you, that event on Saturday, I know I've talked about this before this past weekend, what a great pleasure that was for me to be a part of that. And I kind of joked about this, you know, during a portion of my uh, part of the event. You know, getting a chance to meet guys that I had really kind of grown up idolizing, like Andre Hastings, like Garrison Hurst was there, uh, you know, Eric Zier, who I you know see pretty frequently, but nonetheless to have him there as, as well. And at one point in time, you kind of had like Zier, Hurst, and Hastings kind of all kind of posing with the same picture, at least kind of in the same general area. And it's just kind of fun to think about that era of Georgia football being on display. Matt Stinchcomb was obviously there. His career was honored. And as uh, Terrence Edwards said, to have you know him be honored and Robert be there, Ray Goff even kind of snuck by and uh, said hello to some of his former players. I got a chance to talk to Coach Goff for a minute, and that was a really great experience too. So these are the kinds of things sometimes just really lucky to be a part of, and I was very lucky to be a part of this this past weekend. Obviously, Terrence Edwards, a much-deserved honor going in with that first class of the Georgia High School Football Hall of Fame. That was great to see. We've got Brad Nessler coming up here. Uh, about five minutes from right now before that though let's get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and we were talking about the cocktail party in our comment section before the show began on what we call our first and 15 there at dognation.com the dog nation app and a lot of folks looking forward to being down there on the jacksville first coast here this weekend or the golden isles or whatever it is that you're staying and then uh, we had some folks in there saying hey i'm also looking forward to that dog nation cruise there as well because you better believe that's going to be like cocktail party on steroids when we get to uh april independence of the seas of course royal caribbean has given us a, a special travel agent to help book all of this up her name is jessica slater and when you talk to jessica not only can you talk to her about the great dog nation cruise coming up in april on board independence of the seas she'll also give you some information about what you're seeing there on your screen which is a brand new cruise experience from royal caribbean called icon of the seas now listen this is my favorite thing about royal caribbean every you know year or two couple of years they debut a brand new cruise ship which completely changes the game in the cruise industry and icon of the seas you better believe is going to be an example of that largest cruise ship ever built it's going to be sailing out of miami coming up in january of 2024 and you've heard me say this before you're like one of the cool things about the current cruise experience on the royal caribbean cruise ship is the water slides things like that well on this icon of the seas you're gonna have an entire water park at your disposal all the really cool neighborhoods it's really like being on a in a city at sea and icon of the sea is going to be unlike anything that's ever happened before so check it out jessica can tell you more about it give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 or if you want to be a part of the dog nation cruise on independence of the seas royaldogs.com will also be a great website you can use to kind of find out about all the really fun things going on with royal caribbean right now it's just always so much fun to think about all of that and i'm excited about my cruises and you know that i am so let's talk about the sec i'm also excited about this weekend too and we'll do more of this probably tomorrow in this space but in addition to georgia florida on saturday you've also got a lot of energy right now around the kentucky tennessee game tennessee is a little bit uh, more than a double digit favorite a little bit less than we're around two touchdown mark uh, against kentucky and there's been a little bit of chatter right now about how will levis has performed as an underdog one of the guys from uh kentucky sports radio ksr you may be familiar with that as a media entity has put these numbers out on twitter i'm going to read this to you so when you look at uh you know levis is a seven point underdog 
uh, against Florida this season. You won that game 20-13. to 13. Go back to last year, covered the spread against Georgia when Georgia was a 21-point favorite. 30-13 to 13, there was the final. How about as a three-point dog at Louisville, won the game 52-21. Uh, also against Florida as a, as a uh, six-point dog, won the game 26-16. Uh, go back and look at number 14, Ole Miss. That's a game that Ole Miss won in Oxford earlier this year, but Kentucky did cover the six-and-a-half-point spread. And you think about Mississippi State. That was a Mississippi State team that was favored by about a touchdown on the road, and yet, nonetheless, Kentucky still got the win, 27-17 to there. So what the uh, guy, Adam Luckett is his name from Kentucky Sports Radio, what he's selling here is is that you've seen Will Levis have some pretty big performances as an underdog. Levis also played really well last year against Tennessee. You know, Levis... A lot of the hype that was kind of built around the Kentucky quarterback here has not really been based on any good games. Levis played terrible last year against Georgia, as a for instance. But against Tennessee last year, he actually played pretty well. Well in excess of 300 yards passing, had three touchdowns, just the one pick. So can Will Levis play well enough on Saturday to keep it close against Tennessee? I think it's at least worth monitoring that as a possibility, and we'll have more of our official final thoughts on that tomorrow. But definitely, we've noticed that Levis has kind of had a moment or two here against the uh, against the uh, Vols. That's fair to point out. We talked to you yesterday a little bit about the rumor kind of erupting around Auburn that Brian Harson has drawn a hard line in the sand with his players that wanted to preserve their eligibility by redshirting, essentially telling them stay or play. They can't enter the transfer portal right now. Some of them are still leaving the program. But Harson's basically kind of drawn that line to say that uh that you know the rumor was anyway that if you're going to be on this team we expect you to play you're not going to preserve that red shirt he was asked about this yesterday and he said this is during the sec teleconference we obviously uh know who has red shirt ability as availability as a staff we talk about that as a staff we know the amount of games that are available he says so we really monitor this as a staff we've done that every year and certainly with the new four game rule we're always paying attention to that so really kind of a lot about nothing there from harson on that particular topic uh but nonetheless the chatter about this continues some have said hey you know do you really want harson making these decisions about the future of these players just knowing that he's likely not to be their coach again next year and my response to that would be well if you don't want him making decisions for the program then you should have fired him when you had a chance to uh you know during the season which is something apparently auburn doesn't want to do right now because it doesn't have an athletic director in place but listen brian harson does a lot of stuff wrong but in trying to sort of maintain some sort of standard for his program i'm not quite so sure that's such an issue here so i don't side with 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 uh harson very much but maybe not necessarily against him on this and i also noticed yesterday during the coaches teleconference that billy napier issued some thanks to, to kirby smart because smart ones helped him get a job at alabama not quite sure how i feel about two coaches at georgia and florida that now like each other i kind of like the rivalry between uh smart and uh and uh mullen years past and so maybe we can get back to that in the very near future but we'll make that cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean here on dog nation daily we'll turn our attention more to george and florida the guy that'll call the game on cbs on saturday good enough to join us here for a couple of minutes it's brad nessler from cbs sports here on dog nation daily brad thank you so much for your time we appreciate you joining us here today How's everybody? Ready for the game? We are ready for it. We're excited about it. And we're also acknowledging that this may be one of the final times these two teams play in Jacksonville. It seems like the cocktail party's on thin ice here a little bit. You understand the history of this because you've been a million times. You certainly called the game in recent years a lot. You know kind of the landscape here in the SEC. What do you think about this, Brad? The idea that it just seems, I think, maybe more likely than not that sometime in the future uh, this is going to be home and home and this cocktail party might actually get canceled. 
Yeah, you know, and I, I see both sides of it. I understand what Kirby, where he's coming from as far as the recruiting process and all of that and the fact that you can't really have any interaction with a kid down there in a game this big. Um, and, you know, Billy will probably join him. And if you get both coaches on the same page, um, that's when things will start to change. And I know there's only this year, next year left before any extension can be made or whatever. And, you know, I get the dynamics of it. I get the money part of it. You know, Athens would like to make an extra $20 million a weekend. So would Gainesville, I'm sure. But Jacksonville doesn't want to give up $35 million either. <laughs> so right. a lot of money action involved in all of that, too. So somebody else's decision to make. I, I You know, I like it because, I already get to the campuses. I get to I get to go to uh, you know between the hedges, and I get to go to the swamp. And so I I don't have really a, a dog in the hunt. Basically, um, I, I do like the atmosphere of the party down there, and you know I see things on a weekend for a Georgia Florida game that I don't necessarily see on campus. <laughs> so from that standpoint, yeah, I've seen some weird stuff, man, and it's it's been fun. I only got to go to the game once as a fan, quote unquote fan, and. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I was a lot younger, too, so I probably was just as bad a participant as everybody else down there. But, uh, yeah, no, I like I like the scene down there, but I totally get where the coaches are coming from, and, and uh, I also get where Jacksonville's coming from. I don't know why they maybe couldn't, you know, mix it around and uh, even do it home, home, Jacksonville, Mercedes-Benz, you know, or something sure. like that. But. We'll see. So you know the story with this year's game. Oftentimes, Georgia-Florida is the one we all have circled before the season even begins. This year feels different because of the historic nature of the point spread. Georgia's more than a three-touchdown favorite. Florida's obviously not having a very good season. But as you dig deep here and you talk to people and you do your own research, what are you seeing from Florida that you think that UGA fans ought to be aware of and maybe something that maybe quietly makes the Gators more dangerous than some of us have realized? Well, um, you know, I've seen Anthony Richardson in person this year and how much better he is, and he is still wildly inconsistent, I can put it that way. But, I mean, what he get against Tennessee two or three weeks ago, whenever it was I did that game, um, he was sensational. And, you know, if he gets any kind of help, they run the ball really well. I think everybody knows all their stats and all that. They're a little skewed by the fact that, you know, he's had a couple of long touchdown runs, which inflates his yard per carry average. But but still, they run the ball well, good with Montreal Johnson and, and uh, Trevor Etienne. And, sure. and so that's one thing they can hang their helmets on a little bit. But Georgia doesn't give up much on the ground, 80, 83 yards, whatever it is a game. Um, I just think Richardson's dangerous aspect of his game and, you know, how – I mean, when he gets in the open field, and if you're playing man coverage or something, you've got your back turned. You might as well forget it because he's gonna he's gonna weave through you and he's gonna outrun you. But that's the one thing they have going for him. Their their defense is really not good at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see Georgia having a huge problem unless they turn the ball over a lot and and make a lot of mistakes. You have not seen Georgia yet this year in person, but you obviously saw him a lot last year and. Everybody kind of doing the thing where you compare them to the national championship season from a year ago. How on track does it appear to you that Georgia is right now at a kind of a championship level compared to where it finished last season? I think they might be better. Um, they don't have, you know, they don't have fifteen guys that are going to be drafted into the NFL. But as far as they, their offense and how they mesh and how they move the ball around, I think not having a superstar, not having. Uh, you know, AD uh, out there is kind of a game breaker. It just makes Stetson that much better. It's what he's really good at doing is spreading the ball around and going, you know, where the defense kind of leads him. And 
you know, they've thrown it to 20 different guys, I guess. You know, they're running the ball well, maybe not as dynamically as, as you know, last year with Zeus and, and Cook. Um, but, I mean, they're getting it done. They're scoring more points. They're giving up less points. Uh, their balance is incredible. Um, you know, they rush for 200 a game and throw for way over 300 a game. So, um I just think they're playing really good team ball. I, I I don't see superstars out there where I can just go, wow, that guy's the best guy in the field. There's not a lot of those unless you look maybe at Brock Bowers. And I think maybe this is his week to have a big game. Let me finish with this. Obviously, Kirby Smart doesn't look ahead. The Georgia team does need to look ahead, but we can do that. Next Saturday, you'll also get a chance to call Georgia-Tennessee. Have you prepared yourself for the possibility that this might be the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history, assuming Georgia takes care of its business on Saturday. Tennessee's still got to beat Kentucky, but this will be the only, the third time I ever had a top five matchup in Sanford Stadium. And by your virtue of rankings, you maybe never had like a top three matchup before. Have you looked ahead yet to what historically might be in play for the Dogs and Vols next week, a game you'll also call? You want, you want me to give you a coach's answer, Brandon? You want me to give you my answer? <laughs> I'll take the real answer. Okay, the real answer is yeah, I have. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, I've looked at that a lot and, you know, even thought about the possibility of if Penn State pulls an upset of Ohio State and if we have one against two. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be and, – and it could be Tennessee as one and Georgia two. I don't know. But we'll take it however it comes. Um, you know, I think Tennessee's going to have their hands full with Kentucky. Um, Georgia should win. You know, our programming department looked at it and said, maybe we should be doing Alabama LSU. And I said, what are you crazy? You know, <laughs> Alabama, I mean, Georgia Tennessee is a game everybody's been aiming at now for a month. So, yeah, I've, I've snuck ahead and at least I've done Tennessee a couple times. So that helps in the homework department a little bit, too. Uh, Brad, thank you so much for your time. We love the call that you have there on CBS. You and the uh, team uh, do a great job. We're looking forward to seeing you in Jacksonville and in Athens again next week there as well. And, of course, thanks so much for stopping by and being a part of this with us here today on Dog Nation Daily as well. You got it. Dog Nation, have fun this weekend down there and be careful. Yes, sir. Thanks for your time, Brad. So uh, good stuff there. Brad Nesser, CBS Sports. A couple of interesting uh, notes from him. First of all, the idea that maybe CBS did consider the LSU-Alabama game, as he said there. That would have obviously given some Georgia fans uh, a chance what they wanted, which was a night game there for that. So it sounds like uh, some folks at CBS at least considered that there for a moment. And as Brad also points out, Next week, we haven't done this a ton yet, but we'll get into this more uh, eventually. The first playoff rankings come out. So the way in which like logistically a lot of this kind of stuff works is, is this time of year, we're citing rankings. We're typically citing AP poll on that. But next week, that'll change, and everybody will start citing those playoff rankings. And the playoff rankings are a little bit different from time to time, especially at the beginning. The, the playoff rankings seemingly take a little bit of pride in being slightly different than the polls, the AP and the coaches poll. So as Brad points out, if let's say that Tennessee is impressive against Kentucky on Saturday, it is entirely possible, no matter what the AP poll decides to do, because they're probably not moving Georgia down if Georgia wins convince, uh, convincing against Florida. But the playoff ranking will do whatever it wants to do. It's entirely possible, as Brad points out, when Georgia-Tennessee face next Saturday, 
that the team with the one next to its name by virtue of the first playoff ranking may be Tennessee and not Georgia. That's at least a possibility. And Brad Nasser kind of touches on that there, which is kind of interesting to think about. A lot of fun stuff going on this time of year. And obviously, if you're a Georgia fan, no matter where you are, UGA grad, no matter what part of the country, the globe, you kind of find yourself here right now. Our friends of the UGA Alumni Association want you to stay uh, connected to all the fun stuff that's going on as we get ready to enjoy the most exciting moments of the 2022 season, which are still on their way right now. So the website for you to go to here on this is alumni.uga.edu. That's alumni.uga.edu. On game day, throughout the week, getting ready for game day, so many good things. You can find out about the game-watching parties, places where you can call the dogs no matter where you happen to be right now. You can also get some uh, special video content, some digital downloads, and some things like that that also help keep you informed about the Georgia game and what's going on with UGA. Uh, The Georgia Alumni Association, the University of Georgia Alumni Association, exists so that dogs never have to bark alone. So wherever you are right now as a Georgia grad, you know, across the country, across the world, wherever else, you can connect with UGA grads just like you via our friends at the UGA Alumni Association. So find them online at alumni.uga.edu for more on that. It's alumni.uga.edu for more on that. Also, really quick before we say goodbye to you here today, don't forget, our friends at the Durham Law Group, a part of what we do here around Dog Nation. We'll see them on Saturday for our Dog Nation injury report, getting ready for Georgia and Florida. And you can also uh, give them a call if you've been hurt or injured in an accident. Because let's face it. Oh, by the way, by the way, I got to tell you all something. My wife had another car accident this week. This one wasn't her fault either, but this is like the second time in a month she's been hit while driving. Thankfully, she's not hurt, but if she was, we'd be reaching out to our friends at the Durham Law Group because you can give them a call, 844-4GA-HURT. That's 844-4GA-HURT. You can also find them online, georgiahurt.com. That is georgiahurt.com. They don't just practice personal injury law. They define it. No fees, no expenses unless you win. Our friends at the Durham Law Group, 844-4GA-HURT or online at georgiaherd.com. And as we say goodbye to you here today, of course, we're thinking about those lousy stinking gators. We are all systems forward on the cocktail party on Saturday and our steadfast, unwavering belief that a good Georgia fan is a gator hater first and foremost. With that in mind, we have a great golden shoe for you here today. Our buddy Georgia on tap shares this with me from our good friend Jordan Hill who put this on Twitter. So one of the local boutiques in Athens has a sign out front. Now, you always know that you're really getting to a big-time rivalry when even the dress shops are kind of getting in on the action and the boutique here has the sign out front that says, Breathe, if you hate Florida, go dogs. I got to tell you, I should go buy my wife and my daughter something from that store right now because they absolutely have the right attitude when it comes to Georgia, Florida on Saturday. Appreciate Jordan sharing that and George on tap sharing it with me. And you better believe we are breathing deeply right now because the hate runs strong for Georgia against Florida there on Saturday. Great golden shoe there today. And by the way, lousy stinking Gators, 5,040 days. It has been an era of ineptitude, and we don't think that stops any time soon. And we're reminding them of it every single day. And guess what? Our Gator Hater Countdown, you know, Eddie the Blind Squirrel, the official mascot of Dog Nation Daily, loves this. We're down to just two days away. It's hashtag go for two and 22 and now just two away from the cocktail party there as well. So it feels good to be able to say that. We'll see all of you back here tomorrow. One final show this week, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharn. We'll look forward to talking to you then. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We take your comments here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comments section at dognation.com. And 
uh, Thomas Tyson and Fearless Girl were having kind of a back and forth uh, on a, a topic that it came up on Twitter related to Kirby Smart and the fact that he wears a visor. And at one point in time, what Fearless Girl said it was that she kind of had PTSD from back when Steve Spurrier uh you know wore that visor and didn't like him i think we may have mentioned this on our cool down one of these days here recently and basically <laughs> what thomas tyson said back to her on this this was kind of an exchange that was kind of in my mentions is that kirby kind of reclaimed the visor away from spurrier and it is kind of important to note that you know spurrier did kind of make that visor a famous look for himself back in the 90s and sort of easy to forget that now but when kirby first wore the visor in 2016 there was a little bit of controversy related to that of oh he's doing something that's kind of basically borrowing the shtick from spurrier there a bit but i believe that kirby's had enough success with that that he has kind of reclaimed that it's kind of become his own look and you don't see lots of examples of him slamming the visor down the way that once spurrier would kind of make famous you knew you were kind of getting over on florida if spurrier was kind of forced to slam down the 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 visor on the ground kirby hasn't had much reason to do that kirby also sort of expresses his uh his intensity on the sidelines in a slightly different way but credit to kirby for kind of making that look all his own that belongs to him now and obviously you expect to see him sporting that in jacksonville on saturday and no doubt doing his part to put even more distance in the current era to the success of florida's past all of a sudden now that seems like a bygone age indeed and credit to kirby smart for making that feel as true as it does that's our podcast cool down it's presented by rs andrews you can find them online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning heating plumbing electric needs they show up on time they do the work that's promised the price is promised you can trust them for all of that today water heater in many cases if it goes out they can get it replaced for you the same day so make sure you find them online at rsandrews.com we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp we'll look forward to talking to you then